everyone. Welcome to another episode of our podcast, The Shift. I'm Shay Candish, the New South Wales Nurses and Midwives Association's Assistant General Secretary and the host of this show. For over two decades, aged care workers have been campaigning to fix issues in the sector caused by John Howard's 1997 Aged Care Act, which essentially privatised the sector and let employers off the hook when it came to care of their residents. From rampant understaffing and poor skills mix to a lack of satisfactory food standards, aged care workers have seen an incredible deterioration of the quality of care provided by the sector. For the first time in years, aged care has become a key issue in this federal election. One of the activists who's been on the ground fighting for change in this sector is Sue Walton. Sue's an assistant in nursing working on the New South Wales South Coast and a member activist with the association. Thanks for joining us today on the podcast, Sue. It's my pleasure. Thank you, Shay. Not a problem. So look, Sue, let's kick off. Uh, Can you start by telling us why you became an AIN uh, and why you're so passionate about aged care? Well, I restarted my life at 40 and the job that I ended up into was an assistant in nursing for the same company that I'm working for now, which is one of the largest ones in New South Wales. I've been there nearly 20 years Um, I've always been passionate about the elderly, had lots of experience with the elderly, like everybody else that has a family. And so So that's how I started. Yeah. And so tell me a bit about, you know, it's rare these days that people work for any job for 20 years, but especially in aged care, what's made you stick there for that long and what keeps you going, you know, and getting out of bed to go back every day? Well, when I first started, aged care was completely different in those days. Mm -hmm. It was like a wonderful home. The residents that were there didn't need anything. Staffing was fine. They They had all the care that they deserved and needed. We had a great camaraderie. Everybody helped one another. It was fantastic. Then, unfortunately, over the years after um, Mr Howard decided to change the Aged Care Act and anybody and everybody could go in and take over an aged care village without consequences, everything changed. I became passionately involved because over a short period of years, we lost a third of our workforce. We lost registered nurses. and enrolled nurses didn't have a job to do. We lost cleaners, we lost our kitchen staff and we lost our cleaning staff. So one of us, an AIN, had to do the job of four people. And our poor registered nurse went from having lots of support, numerous registered nurses on site to one every shift. I work night shift. I'm in charge of 40 people in two different houses. And the poor registered nurse is in charge of 120 residents. It doesn't work. Mm. Nobody was listening. We all know the scenario. We all know what's happening now. We used to float. Now we're drowning. I got involved with the Royal Commission uh, when that started. I was a federal witness. And we've been following it afterwards to make change. Yeah. Not only for us, the workers on our low pay Nobody works full-time, it's only part-time hours, the increased amount of work, the danger to us in the workplace, and especially for our elderly residents, they don't have a voice. Yeah, It, it doesn't work. They need help, we need help. We're desperate. I just- 
I just want to dig in a bit there about the changes I think that you have so um, articulately spelt out. We talk a lot about the problems in aged care, but you've given a really good snapshot of what the last decade has been in aged care. And, you know, for listeners who don't know aged care well, or maybe haven't heard any of our previous podcasts on aged care, um, there was a particular point in time when John Howard made uh, the new Aged Care Act that really took a lot of the regulation out of aged care and what you described there, Sue, is the impact or the consequence of that deregulation on the ground, um, because what we saw were a number of providers get into the industry for the purposes of really making profit. Uh, it wasn't highly a highly um, profitable industry prior to that time, whereas it is quite profitable these days. Uh, and what we've seen is even the good providers really move towards a very, you know, profit um, driven model, uh, exactly as you've described, where they have cut staff and a lot of the basic supports that you require, like cleaning and kitchen hands and, you know, the number of care staff and the number of regist registered nurses, because everything now has become about delivering a profit, um, even in the not-for-profit sector, which is kind of a bit mind-boggling for people that don't understand the industry. Uh, they like to call themselves not-for-profit, but they still make a profit and then they just invest that money in other um, aspects of the business. But you did a really good job, I think, of spelling out the consequences for the residents of what all of those government decisions have meant. Mm, definitely. It was just such a shock to the system and I didn't take much notice of it, I must admit, at the time. But when you go into working with aged care, taking the accountability from those providers where if Mrs Smith was given $100 by the government of your taxpayers' dollars, they had to provide, those providers had to tell the government exactly where the $100 went. So it went to care, direct care. It went to staff wages. When the Act was changed, that all went out the window and not one person that owns or operates an aged care facility has to tell the government or the taxpayers where one single cent goes. Mm. So they get, it's not so much about, they get billions of dollars. The massive problem is they can do whatever they like with it and they don't have to tell anybody. Mm. And that's one why one of the major problems is, is they do that. Yeah. And that's how they earn their excess money and charge people lots of money. And, you know, all of those things aside, I think the fundamental issue that you raised is that the residents don't receive the care. And I think the Royal Commission really pointed out how neglectful, uh, you know, Australia's mm. aged care sector has become uh, because really it's people's human rights that have been exploited in some of these um, nursing homes now and these residential facilities. It just it kind of beggars belief, doesn't it? But I feel like we're really at um, a point where we've exposed all of the problems fairly well in the aged care system. Um, and that sort of takes me to the next thing I wanted to flag with you. So a couple of weeks ago, Scott Morrison said that he blew the whistle on the appalling state of aged care. Now, given you've been working in this sector for 20 years and you've been active for the best part of, you know, the last decade at least... <laughs> Tell me how that how that landed with you. What did you think about that? Every time you hear something like this, now you laugh, but to start with, it stabs you in the heart 
because this is a government and especially Scott Morrison who just continually lies and nobody except for the workers, the unions, the people, families, pull him up on it. So for him to actually say that, it was such a slap in the face, I tell you, mm. because he fought kicking and screaming not to have that at all. It was only through pure pressure mm. of us, um, the workers, our unions, the families, and it just got to such a disgusting state that he couldn't ignore it anymore. Mm. So he had nothing to do with implementing the Royal Commission at all. And he's proven that as well with the findings that came out. What he says and what he does is nothing. Mm. Aged care will and continue to be the forgotten people under this government and him um, because they don't care about us. They've proven that time and time again. So, yeah, it was a slap in the face. It's really interesting, isn't it? The hypocrisy of saying that he's blown the whistle on aged care yeah. and yet... You know, he's been presented with 148 Royal Commission recommendations, very few of which his government's adopted. And those that they have adopted, they've really adopted at the absolute lowest end of the recommendations. So, you know, things like uh, mandated minimum staffing, mm. we, you know, it's no small, um, it's no small thing to have a coalition government agree to mandate staffing. So credit where credit's due, but it was absolutely at the lowest end of the spectrum. When it comes to supporting registered nurses in the facility, 24 hours a day again they only committed to 16 hours so it's really interesting I think that he can come out and say that he's blown the whistle but when he's been given the opportunity to actually address the issues and fix it he still hasn't chosen to make those decisions uh mm -hmm. anyway beggars belief but you know <laughs> we're, that's right but we're presented <laughs> with an opportunity for an alternative this election aren't we so we've got uh, Anthony Albanese and the ALP um, coming forward with a really good promise for aged care, something that can really reform the system. Um, and people have an opportunity to really cast their vote in a meaningful way if they want reform in aged care. So what do you think it will mean if we have an ALP government um, appointed after this next election for aged care? What difference is it going to make? Well, I, like you, were a bit sceptical at first. As we should um, be. <laughs> but I, like you and many of my other colleagues, have spent years speaking to politicians personally. And even though they said at the time aged care is the top of their priority, being in Canberra, I didn't quite believe them. But I was very lucky to attend a business forum where most of the opposition bench were at this forum mm -hmm. and I spoke to each one of them personally and a promise is just a promise in words but an actual signed commitment is a different story. Um, take Richard for example, Richard Miles, he's actually dealing with aged care at the moment so they know what it's like. So for them to actually acknowledge that this will be one of their top priorities I did warn them they had a certain period of time. Um, <laughs> the relief from your shoulders for not only yourself, but for those precious people in facilities all over Australia, that something will actually change for them was just, I can't even describe it. Um, unfortunately, I wasn't there, 
when Mr Albanese announced all this um, in Canberra and at Parramatta. But I've come to the point where, yes, I do have hope for change. It's not that we're fighting a losing battle. So even though people don't like the Labor Party, they have excuses, they are the only ones that have actually given us a signed commitment that that will be their top priority and we will hold them to account. Oh, you're absolutely right. So, you know, our role is really going to be about holding their feet to the fire if they get in. There's no doubt about that. The The fight doesn't stop the day that the election, you know, mm. is over. Um, but for us, it is a significant opportunity to have a government that will come in and do better. And just for listeners uh, to understand, the key components of their policy is that they're committed to having RNs in residential aged care facilities 24 hours a day. They're committed to mandated staffing minimums, which is 215 minutes of care per resident per day. And 44 minutes of that is to be provided by a registered nurse. So that immediately requires um, a number of minimum staff, which we don't have exactly as you were saying earlier, you know, one AIM looking after 40 residents and one registered nurse looking after 120 residents that stops when we have minimum mandated staffing of 215 minutes. Um, the other thing that they're offering is to support the wage case at the moment for public sector, for, sorry, aged care workers to receive a pay rise. Uh, they're offering, um, uh, you know, improvements around food quality and food standards, which we've seen as, you know, huge problems. But really the, the fundamental piece that makes all of these other commitments important is that they're requiring transparency and accountability from providers. And, you know, that in itself means nothing. You know, we need the extra money for staffing. We need the regulation but we need for providers to be accountable to where money's being spent because that has been the biggest challenge with this government now. They've certainly provided lots of money to providers over the um, pandemic, but there's been no way to determine where that money's gone. In most instances, it hasn't actually gone to the places that it's been intended to. So we've had, you know, infection control nurses, uh, money for them. And yet in the middle of the pandemic, we've seen so many facilities that don't have an infection control nurse. That money never made it all the way to the ground for that, in, that position to be employed. So we've seen so many examples of that. So having transparency and accountability as part of this policy is going to be just the, the piece that ties it all up in a nice, neat bow, but you're right, we're still going to have to hold them to account every point of the way. So there's lots of work left to do. Um, so hopefully listeners, you know, understand the differences that are on offer and what it will really mean for residents when they're um, in a residential facility and what it will mean for our members. How do you think it's going to affect people uh, wanting to work in the aged care sector? Well, if they bring in all the recommendations that they're talking about, lots of aged care workers have left because we're understaffed, um, you know, emotionally and physically exhausted. You're only in aged care at the moment if you really need a job um, because they're untrained. A lot of them are untrained and unskilled. But for, for many thousands of people like myself, we're there because we care. So if we get a pay increase, I'm on $25 an hour. I can go to Aldi. We've had this discussion before and work for $38. You're there before you, because you care. 
so if we can tie what they're talking about which is your transparency of accountability your legal minimum staffing levels and your mixture the we need ongoing training as well which they know about more funding and your rns 24 7 it changes the whole thing it changes the whole thing not only for thus i'm 62 not only for me that have to work for the rest of my life, but especially for those people, the people that live there, our mums and dads, our grandmas. It affects everybody in Australia. If they can get that transparency and the dollars spent on their care, they're not left alone. Mm. They don't sit in a room and do nothing. They'll actually have a life, you know, and it'll change everybody's, everybody's life that works there. And I really think this is the opportunity to improve working conditions to a point that it becomes a place where people want to work again. Uh, it becomes a sector where people actually come and use their skills and expertise because, mm. you know, aged care and geriatrics is actually really highly specialised skill set. And a lot of people don't put that into use because the working conditions are so poor um, that even if it's their preferred area of nursing, they're still making choices to go and work in other areas because, you know, the working conditions are such that you can't deliver the care that you want to give anyway. We hear so many stories of really qualified people, um, registered nurses that love aged care that can't stay there. People like myself, it's a, it's a dangerous place to work, not because of the people that live there. It's not their fault. I've been injured now once a year for three years, but I'll still go back because I will not leave those people mm. without a voice. Mm. And I go back because I care. Um, so once that all changes, at least you'd feel safe because they're not getting the care, dignity and respect that they need. So mm -hmm. if that can all come in, it just changes everything 100%, turns it right around. So we're very hopeful and we will make it happen. <laughs> Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. Now, talk me through, you know, you've been campaigning for a long time and we've finally got a bit of an opportunity here. Talk me through how that, um, how that feels for you and how, I guess, as a campaigner, you would give advice to other people about, you know, you go and you, um, you get active about an issue and you have a lot of bad days, but then you have a good day, like, what's being offered now like what keeps you going uh for people who are listening who are a bit scared you know who want to get active or who see an issue in their workplace and they're a bit unsure uh, what advice might you have for them well when I first started lots of things were happening all this changed aged care changed um you actually deal with it in your own life I had a father-in-law go into aged care and see what happened to him in a different facility he was actually taken out of the facility that I was in um, because we used to have four bedded rooms and they decided to change it down. They had to change in 1998, which they didn't, or they would have lost their license. So he was told after being very comfortable there to go to another facility. And the facility that he went to was a hundred times worse. So I started action then. Um, I've been to many times to Parliament House to speak to politicians. To start with, I was timid. I was a bit frightened what to say. I don't think but... I believe you were ever timid, Sue. <laughs> I was. I was. I was. 
but for my wonderful union being behind me, um, I actually appeared at the Royal Commission as a federal witness and I went there with another assistant in nursing, a wonderful registered nurse and a, a diversional therapist. And as I said, I work for a really large corporation. And when I left that Royal Commission, my employees weren't very happy with me at all and they made it very hard. Um, I've been harassed numerous times, but I won't let them win at all. And for those just starting out, you don't have to be anybody. You don't say you're not a nobody because you're, you work in aged care. You're a compassionate, caring person. If you just go out and tell your story about what's happening where you work, people just become so interested because they only see the glossy, the glossy pamphlets. People only see when families go in, everything's hunky-dory. Well, it's not like that at all. So it continues to this day. So, yeah, we will never give up. Um, I will make, I won't make, I will talk to anybody <laughs> and tell them what's happening. Yeah. Just to make sure they're aware because Australians had no idea what was happening in aged care until the Royal Commission. Yeah. And that it was fact when they saw what was happening to their loved ones in disability and aged care, they couldn't believe it. And every time we get it to the forum and we get up the top, we're knocked off our perch, aren't we, with mm -hmm. some other big news story. So just go, you don't have to be, you know, an activist or anything like that. Just talk to friends and family, mm -hmm. make people aware. You I feel think so much better and you're doing something. You're doing something for change. And I think you touch on a really important point there about you're not a nobody and you've got a good story to tell. Like the thing that always strikes me is that um, our members are the expert in their own lives and their own experiences. And those stories are actually spoken about from a position of expertise in the work that um, our members do, which is why people listen. Uh, and we mm. don't always realise that. Well, I, I suppose here at head office, we talk about that quite a bit. But as members, as nurses and as AINs, we don't always realise that until we're presented with the opportunity to talk about it and people listen. You know, what we say uh, has credibility and we can say it with passion and, um, and fact that's the reality. Mm. So uh, it, it definitely has been critical in elevating the issues around aged care. So thank you. I, I just want to say thank you for all of your efforts because people like you have helped us to get to where we are. There's many, many people like me. I'm in awe of the people like me. And for all those listening, if you want to get involved, I can assure you, you meet the most passionate, beautiful people and become lifelong friends and they're your support system if anything happens they're only a phone call away I don't know how anybody can't be in a union um, we have wonderful solicitors <laughs> and counsellors <laughs> and friends so yeah I'm never sorry for what I do and yeah we will make change won't we Shay we certainly <laughs> will we we're <laughs> determined if nothing else <laughs> they won't keep us down and all together we're one of the largest unions aren't we yeah so. we're the biggest uh certainly the biggest national union um all of our combined states and territories uh, make us the biggest union in the country so that's pretty exciting well these politicians that get in from saturday hopefully fingers crossed everything crossed the labor party 
if nothing happens, they're going to have an awful lot of us standing on their front lawn and in the corridors down there. We are one loud voice. Yeah. So thanks, thanks everybody. Thanks so much, Sue. I really appreciate your time and your activism. And uh, I look forward to our chat in the future, hopefully with a new government and a new opportunity in aged care. Yep, we'll be there. Never give up. Thanks. <laughs> Thank Have you. a good day. Stay safe, everybody. We'll be right back after a quick word about the New South Wales Nurses and Midwives Association Member Advantage Scheme. Did you know that as a member of the New South Wales Nurses and Midwives Association, you can save thousands of dollars a year through our Member Advantage program? Your union membership gives you access to discounts for everything from groceries, white goods from the good guys, holidays, and even a new car. You can access it through your Member Central portal. And if you're not yet a member, join today by going to nswnma.asn.au to enjoy the benefits straight away. And that's it for this episode of The Shift with Shay. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Sue and look forward to seeing you in a fortnight with more stories from the world of nursing and midwifery. Don't forget, this is your opportunity to have your say on the future of aged care. Make it count. If you haven't done so yet, make sure to subscribe to our podcast wherever you get your podcasts from. You can also follow the New South Wales Nurses and Midwives Association on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter and LinkedIn so you can stay up to date with all our services and campaigns. This podcast was recorded on Indigenous land. We acknowledge all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people listening to this podcast. This land was never ceded. It always was and always will be Aboriginal land.